Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we count down our favorite moments from Resident Evil. Number one, when you shoot the zombie. Number two, when you shoot the zombie. Number three, when you shoot the zombie. Patrick, zo- Patrick, what? Patrick. What? You don't have to do that anymore. Thank you. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, we're talking about Resident Evil, which means I know you're doing great. It's a wonderful day to be alive. Look, man, there are few things. Have I ever told you about the Resident Evil collage that my brother and I made one Christmas? No. Okay, so... uh, my brother and I played a lot of Resident Evil games together. It was just it, like it is a a common video game uh, thing between us. Um, we uh, and so we we love the games, right? Uh, and we were at our parents' house one Christmas. This is before they moved out of the house. This is the house we grew up in. Um, and uh, we had all of these Resident Evil games like stored away uh, in a box, like the uh, you know original Resident Evil for uh, PlayStation, uh, Resident Evil Two, Three. Code Veronica, um, and maybe the remakes, but maybe it was just those like four, those like four main games, and probably like the director's cut of Resident Evil as well. Um, and we took the instruction booklets and the disc and made like a big collage with them uh, that I kept in. It was in my apartment on Gramercy for a while, just like behind a dresser. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was how we were like. Thank you, Resident Evil, uh, for uh, entertaining us. Now we honor you as a DIY art project on uh, some Christmas night. That's amazing. It was great. We are so excited to be talking about Resident Evil here. Because, look, there's a bunch of Resident Evil games out on Switch now. What I mean, really, what a, what a blessing Yeah, this is. It's such a blessing. Um, uh, I'm... I'm very excited, so uh, we'll hurry through the the business at the top here so that we can actually get to talking about our favorite moments from the games. Um, but if you would like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces, you can. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com gmail. with your mailing address or some mailing address, and I send you my copy of Sonic Forces. You play it for as long as you want, and then you send it back. Here's another thing you can do. Yes. Is get our Detective Pikachu trading cards look they're trading cards they're playing cards they're all the kinds of cards you can play them in the uh, in the pokemon uh playing card game trading card game pokemon card game you guys know the pokemon <laughs> game i don't need to explain it um we have these cards from scene detective pikachu you could own them instead of us all you have to do is recommend our show to someone else on twitter make sure to tag us that's at nin card society and then uh you know we'll start giving these things out um all right mark are you ready Dude, so ready. I'm so ready. This is the fastest we've ever done the introduction to this show. And I think this show is better for it. Let's do it. Moments, Mark. Top five moments. Do we want to talk a little bit about why we love Resident Evil so much? Mm, scary. Zombies. It's scary. Mm-hmm. There's zombies, but I feel like 
How do you feel about Silent Hill? I feel like Silent Hill and Resident Evil are like the two big like horror franchises. Yeah. Uh, in the universe. I mean, you can count me out of Silent Hill. In the known Hill. universe, I that's, guess. That's right. Presumably. There are, somewhere uh, else there might we're be. We're in a multiverse. Uh, obviously, everyone knows we all saw... Well, I don't know. That might be a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> look, 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 look. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't need Silent Hill uh, in my life. Yeah, I feel like... Okay. We've talked about in the past how video game stories are really hard, and they're really hard to do well. Yes. And Silent Hill is more like, I would say, more psychological horror-y yep. than Resident Evil is, which is just good old-fashioned like Zombie. zombies. Yep. And so it's very difficult to make a good psychological horror video game. Yes. I... Uh, Resident Evil doesn't bother with that. No. It's just like, it's a rip-roaring good time. Yeah, what's but- scary about Resident Evil? There's a zombie who might bite you. Period. Yeah, it like uh, I've been playing a lot of Resident Evil Four because I recently picked it up on Switch, and what I realized is like the game it's scary in the sense that it's like tense. Yes, because you never really know. Um, you never totally feel safe, right? You know, yeah. and like the music and all that does like a really good job of setting up that atmosphere, and so that's why it's like it's scary in that way, not scary. As in, like, the things you are seeing are so horrifying that they're going to scar you. Yeah. Well, I also have a super soft spot for the uh, first four Resident Evil games and Resident Evil 4. I'm counting four as part of that. Uh, So one, two, three, Code Veronica, and four. Um, Because all of these games are either intentionally or unintentionally or semi-intentionally super campy. Um, Like, they are funny experiences. Um, and you know, I, it's, it's one where I, I can't, I genuinely can't tell what the creative intent is. Um, obviously they are paying homage to a lot of like kind of schlocky zombie things. So like some of the low production values of like the, the voice acting or the writing, like is in character with what they're doing, but it also just seems like, you know, these are super, or these are pre- uh, the, the first one especially is a pre-Metal Gear Solid game, right? That is doing this sort of like cinematic presentation way before other games are doing it. Um, so it's just, it's very like baby's first stab at it, right? But, but also when they're like successful, because as the series grows, yeah, um, you know, they lean very much into like the cheesy nature of the shared history of the characters. Mm-hmm. But when um, it's, Resident Evil's on its A game. Like I feel like Resident Evil 4 is a really good example of this. The dialogue is fun and like the adventure is cheesy and the interactions are cheesy, but it toes the line very carefully between being like silly and being cheesy. If yes. that makes sense. Yeah, like it is always sincere, mm-hmm. which I, I think is uh a, a, it's the the relationship between camp and irony um is a, a tricky one. And I, I think there, there is something that Resident Evil strikes that balance mostly perfectly, right? That, like, the characters are being sincere and, like, the um, artists are being sincere, even if they're telling, like, a goofy story uh, sloppily, you know? Like, it I just, it's so much fun. Um, and horror plays into that perfectly. Like, I, I think that horror is the, the perfect genre for that. Um, so yeah, that's and uh, I mean I'll also confess to loving these characters. Um, Barry Burton is my favorite character in a video game. 
um he's like the quintessential dad um says the weirdest things <laughs> is always like helpful i love barry barry's the best um but yeah i think that the characters are a lot of what keeps me coming back to the series for sure um other other broad strokes about why we like resident evil uh no i mean i think we can dive into it okay so before we do dive into it before i yes what you just said um i have some honorable mentions mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so I, I came up with five moments that i'm like these are individual specific moments that happen in these games but here are some more sort of like nebulous things that i wanted to talk about that i uh really love about resident evil um so uh number one in my honorable mention uh, are the insane challenges that the game will pose to uh, unlock uh different game modes so specifically, I'm thinking about uh, the Hunk, the fourth survivor uh, mode in Resident Evil 2, um, the original release of Resident Evil 2, uh, where you have to beat the reverse scenario of uh, one of the, so the, the B scenario for with one of the characters in like under two hours without using any health spray and without saving, and obviously then without dying. Um, just that the game puts forth these sort of like impossible challenges where it's like, do this uh, so good no one could ever do it, and then you get to see more uh, is very exciting to me. Um, I don't always do them, but when I get like super engaged in one of them, uh, I, I just love it. Uh, so that's honorable mention number one. Have you ever done any of those? Uh, like the, the super challenging? No, ones? I haven't. Um, that's, um, it's, I would probably hate it now, but as a kid, I really liked uh, committing myself to one of those things. Um, honorable mention number two. Uh, this is a, a mouthful, so bear with me. The Mercenaries Operation Mad Jackal. This is probably the only thing we're going to talk about from Resident Evil Three Nemesis. Um, so it's the uh, like Mercenaries mini game that is unlockable after you uh, play through the whole game. Just stupid because it's so fun. It should be its own thing that you can access from the beginning. Um, but you play as Carlos, who is uh, like the second character in Resident Evil Three, or two of his like squad mates. And you basically run around Raccoon City um, with a bomb implanted in your head, uh, which is going to blow up after two minutes, but you get more time for everything that you kill. Um, So it turns Raccoon City, first of all, uh, I wish more games would do this. Take Raccoon City and just turn it into a a playground where um, like everything is on fire and there are zombies everywhere. Um, And then it like turns it into smash tv you know where like you have a time limit and you're just like killing stuff left and right it is well before the series like uh got to its like action like before it became like an action game and before like mercenaries mode even made sense Mm -hmm. they're like yeah we're doing it and this is a purely action mode um tank controls weird camera angles (laughs) everyone looks like a pile of polygons (laughs) uh but it is a beautiful little game or beautiful little game mode. Um, and then the, the very last like honorable mention that I wanted to bring up um, is uh, the way... So there have been two big like remakes of, uh, of games in the series, right? The original and two. Um, and both of those remakes do such a good job of messing with players' expectations from having played the originals. Um, they're obviously standalone experiences that are, are great in their own right. Um, but like the original Resident Evil has or the uh, remake um, has zombies called uh, Crimson Head, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, when you kill a zombie and don't remove its head or burn it, it will come back later in the game. And the first time that happens, it's a terrifying thing because they're so powerful when they come back. Um, and so like that just takes uh, 
even if the game was one for one, you know, the the exact same map, exact same layout of everything, this one little twist changes the way that you approach everything. Um, and then Resident Evil 2, uh, Mr. X is so much more persistent uh, and just like chases you down hallways in uh, ways that you would never uh, like imagine or tolerate or uh, be any good at avoiding uh, in the original. So like, again, it takes what you know and is like, nope, it's scarier than you remember. Uh, and I don't think that the games get enough credit for uh, like twisting your expectations in that way. So those are, the, you know, not moments, obviously, uh, but things that I love about Resident Evil. All right. Should we get into our lists? Let's get into our lists. Yeah. Okay. So my number five moment, mm -hmm. you were talking a little bit before about how Resident Evil was this first stab at like a cinematic presentation. Yes. Bef way before like Metal Gear Solid or anything like that. One of the, I feel like, kind of forgotten things about Resident Evil 1 for the PlayStation is its live-action opening. Oh, my God! That <laughs> live-action opening is so good! So, basically, it's just full-motion video, like, yeah. of actors basically acting out what later becomes, uh, like, the voiceover dialogue cutscene type thing. Yeah, uh, and they're... Oh my! The costumes that they're wearing—it's I mean, so cheap. I mean, it—they it, must have—they must have seen like the pictures of the of the designs of the characters in game, and they're like, I, I don't know. I think we need like, like three pieces of cardboard <laughs> to make that shoulder pad. They look like the—they the, genuinely just look like the Halloween costume version, yeah. where instead of being like um the character's real name, like you go to the st uh, costume store and it's not Alice in Wonderland, it's like Mushroom Girl, right, or sure. something like that. Right, uh, short, short, hairy man with claws, <laughs> Wolverine. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, and that that original opening is, uh, oh, and they get attacked by dogs mm -hmm. in there too, and the dogs are obviously just like one rubber puppet, um, but but it's so it's played completely straight, totally straight, um, and is. It ends with like a, a little sizzle reel of like each of the characters, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is funny because it just uses the footage from like the two minute cutscene that preceded it. But I, I remember playing uh, playing this game. God, I guess probably right around when it came out, like ninety four or something. Um, and uh, with, with my friend Jeff uh, and his sister Jessica came in the room and was like, "Holy cow, is this what video games look like?" And we were like, "Kinda." <laughs> Because, like, the last time she checked in was, like, Pac-Man or something. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that that is an underrated uh, and, like, totally unique uh, thing that even Resident Evil didn't recreate. Well, later. and, like, to your point, it's such a time capsule of where video games were. Totally. In the PS1 era. When it's, like, uh, it was, game developers were putting on their big boy pants for the first time. Yes. But it was still so early. Yes. It was like pull-ups. It was the pull-ups of video games. That's right. So it's respectable. <laughs> video game uh, are, are for big boys. Um, all right. My number five moment. Also kind of playing into the like cheesier end of uh, Resident Evil. Uh, this is from Resident Evil 2. When Police Chief Irons fails the mayor's daughter. So this is when you are playing the, uh, the Claire scenario and you walk into... Uh, Chief Iron's office, uh, and he is the, um, he's got an a, a elevated way of speaking, uh, is very eloquent, and uh, has a almost like Shakespearean cadence, uh, and he's got the uh, mayor's daughter in a white strapless dress laid out on his desk, and she is dead. 
<laughs> so he has failed in his job to protect the mayor's daughter, and he gives one of the uh, like campiest, most scenery chewingest monologues in the whole series, um, and is like, well, he's while he's doing this, um, your the player's eye drifts to all of these heads that are mounted on his wall, of you know like deer and moose and mm-hmm. stuff, um, uh, and like there's a lull in his thing, and he goes, and to think taxidermy used to be my hobby, <laughs> but no longer. <laughs> And I've never understood. <laughs> I've never understood the turn to, but no longer. Um, but it, it is just it is a, a moment that is uh, simultaneously funny and unnerving. Uh, that like uh, you feel a genuine sense of dread about what this like last living authority figure in Raccoon City is up to and what his state of mind is um, as he just sits with this dead girl's body on his desk. And he's, he's speaking very matter-of-factly about, you know, Claire's like, is there any way to stop it? And he's like, in a manner of speaking, you can put a bullet in their brain or burn the body. Like, he's just so, uh, like, he's gone at that point. Um, and the performance is so big and so campy. Like, I love it to death. You and had, that's something that's missing from the remake. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it was. So I haven't so, played the original Resident Evil 2 for a really long time. Yeah. Um. So I don't. I don't remember this moment. And yeah, it's not. I was going to ask if it was in remake or if so I had, like missed the, it or something. The character is in the remake. Um. But like they turn uh, his interaction with um uh, the little girl whose name I'm blanking on right now um into a sherry mm-hmm. um into like a whole little section where you're playing as her and she's escaping from like his weird nursery thing yeah which is creepy and cool in its own right um but uh nothing really comes close for me to this scene so earlier you had said that uh when you brought up the mercenaries mode that it was probably gonna be the only mention of resident evil 3 oh yeah but <laughs> resident evil 3 nemesis one of my um favorite resident evil moments is the first Nemesis encounter. Yeah. The first time you see Nemesis in that game where it just, like, destroys Brad. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Is Brad, like, flying in in a helicopter, and it just pulls out a rocket launcher? And No, no, no. You, so You walk me through it. Okay, so basically, like, you're Jill. You're in Raccoon City just, like, walking around. Um, in a tube top. <laughs> wear some sleeves, girl. You're in a zombie apocalypse. I'm pretty sure, like, Brad just, like, is there yeah. and like is going you're like oh Brad and then Nemesis comes down grabs Brad and then like oh he hand tentacles like, him and just yes exactly hand tentacles him through the head which you don't see that part right you just see the tentacle like extend yeah and Brad is super dead super dead and so um Mr X in the Resident Evil 2 remake is a little bit more nemesisy totally yeah um versus like the Mr X that's in the original Resident Evil 2, which I guess is a little more just, like, subdued. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's easier to fight in the original. He's just not as unstoppable. Yeah, that's and right. And that's, like, Nemesis's whole thing. Like, the gimmick of the game. Like, the game is just built around this gimmick, essentially. Yeah. Um, Nemesis in Resident Evil 3 is terrifying. Yeah. Because he felt unstoppable at the time. Totally. And his design is great. Um, like, Mr. X is, has a very, uh, you know, he just looks like just regular flat 
face, like his bald head. He's Uncle Fester, basically, um, but eight feet tall. Uh, and uh, Nemesis uh, looks like his face is made of like worms <laughs> and like someone, you know, uh, got teeth out of a cadaver and stapled them onto a ham. Like he's great. And the way he announces himself every time he steps into a room that like you'll walk in and you'll the door will disappear. You know, you'll walk past where the where you can see the door and you'll just hear the door open close and he'll go stars it's so good that entire i think resident evil 3 so i didn't play it until it came out on gamecube yeah and it, look, i've been in the bag for resident evil for a really long time just like i bought resident evil 4 on switch even though it's overpriced that's right the resident evil 3 port on gamecube was i had not that. good <laughs> i mean it was just basically the P, uh yeah. like the ps1 version in 2003 I think for full price. I think for 50 bucks. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, but it was the first time I had played it. It blew my mind because it takes place mostly outside in Raccoon City yep. instead of being like, you know, in a mansion or police station or something. And you do go through the police station, which is super cool. And it's at like a different point from Resident Evil 2. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's, I think we could do a whole episode about how I don't have any more Resident Evil 3 on here, but... Um, uh, just about how cool Resident Evil 3 is and how it's like kind of ill-remembered uh, in the sort of like legacy of the, of the series. Um, but yeah, it takes so many chances and is so weird and uh, just, it, it's such a cool game. Capcom's kind of been hinting yes. that they're going to be, yes. that they're working on a Resident Evil 3 remake. Allegedly not from the team that did RE2. Like they took that engine and like outs or that work and basically outsource the design and development of RE3 remake to somebody else. I think that's are the fine. rumors. I think like I think that's fine. Um I would be so excited if they end up doing it cuz I mean Mr. X to me felt in Resident Evil 2 remake felt like a total test for how would we do this. Yeah. Uh although now they'd have to like top it. They'd have to make Nemesis even Well, here's, that'd be like a difficult balance. Here's how you top it though. Uh and the, they already have they've demonstrated this you just give Nemesis a rocket launcher because, like, Mr. X is scary, but he never has a rocket launcher, Mark. Nemesis will walk into a room and from eight feet away, whip out a rocket launcher and shoot you with it. He's so cool. He's so cool. All right. Uh, my my uh, m- moment number four on uh, on my list here is uh, returning to the Umbrella Island as Chris in Resident Evil Code Veronica. Um, so a lot of Resident Evil games have the sort of mechanic of, like, you play through it as one character and you see, you know, 70% of the game uh, and you have to play through as another character, either as, like, a second scenario or um, just play the same scenario again, like, in the original. Um, but Resident Evil Code Veronica folds, like, all your playthroughs into one long playthrough right are, have you are you familiar with code no veronica? so I've, I've never played code veronica okay so code veronica you start the game as claire and you are uh you know claire the hero from resident evil 2 and you are out looking for chris your brother um and which is how she starts resident evil 2 and so she follows like a distress call to um like france or something and she gets kidnapped by umbrella and taken to uh, this island where um, Umbrella is conducting all sorts of experiments, and guess what? There are zombies. Um, and so, like, she escapes from this island and goes to uh, Antarctica, where there's like another laboratory. Um, and uh, there she succumbs to, uh, you know, she's attacked and uh, knocked out. Then the game 
uh, just picks right back up, back on that original island, but now Chris is there chasing after her. So some time has passed, and everything that she changed there is now something that Chris needs to like encounter. It's it's oh, cool. it's like the best possible way to recycle levels. Is Code Veronica? Does it play like Resident Evil One through Three? Like same sort of like controls and everything so yes and no it's all fully it's all uh f- like fully rendered uh uh-huh. backgrounds so the the camera does move uh with you but it's uh it's on it's on a very specific track you can't really control it um and it still does the super dramatic uh camera angles um but it's not pre-rendered backgrounds uh so it's it's way more dynamic um and has an insane story um that uh, there may or may not be another moment from it on my list. Uh, so we'll, we will talk more about it as, as we get uh, deeper in. Um, but the, the fact that you find yourself back in this same space again, um, and like it, it is really, really cool like that uh, you know, Claire is like throwing down like emergency shutters to like protect something. Um, and then when Chris gets there, he's like, oh, I need to open these shutters to get like everything that he encounters, you know, is in that state because Claire left it that way. Um, and uh, again, because the backgrounds aren't all pre-rendered, um, every space that you go into, something is different than when you were there last time. And it could just be like something is on fire or something has been destroyed since you were last there. Or like this room that used to be empty is now full of zombies or this room that was full of zombies now has nothing in it. Um, it's, it's just, it's so cool that the game does its own remix of itself as part of a one continuous plot. Uh, it is great. And I think the best that Resident Evil has ever done of, uh, like the two character thing as one linear experience that it makes you do. Have they released Code Veronica in like HD or on any of the other consoles? I'm surprised that you just don't see it released with all the other ones. Yeah, well, I mean, it was originally a Dreamcast game, a Dreamcast exclusive. Um, and I w- uh, today I was like, I want to get that game under my thumbs a little bit and like play it. Um, so I was like, I'll pull out my Dreamcast copy because as uh, longtime listeners will know, I have a Sega Dreamcast. Um, but I could not find my copy of Resident Evil Code Veronica for Dreamcast. Um, and so I screamed for an hour straight. <laughs> Um, and then went on the PlayStation Store, and I can download it for 15 bucks. Uh, but I didn't do it uh, because I was like, well, you know, I just wanted to like hop in and play a little bit. Um, but, but they've never done like an H because you know how like Resident Evil Four is up res. You know, like yeah, looks good. it looks fine in HD. I mean, I I th- I, I honestly don't know. It's uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica X is the like special version of it that came out later for like PlayStation. Might have even been two. Um, and I don't know what the version is that's on uh, PlayStation 4 right now. Yeah, because I, I, it's a huge hole in my Resident Evil knowledge. Yeah. I like, need to pick it up. Um, okay, so here's my first one from Resident Evil 4. Yeah. The rolling boulder quick time event. The first time it happens. Yeah. Um, so basically... It's, it's, it's just a jam on the button one? or it's, So... And you have to dodge. Yeah, you okay. jam on the button and dodge. And it becomes like a mechanic throughout the game. Yeah. There are like times where you have to do like quick time events. But I, it's the first time I remember anyways encountering a quick time event. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do feel like Resident Evil 4 popularized quick time events. Um, and it's actually one of the things that I hold against Resident Evil 4. Um, but uh, g- keep telling me about the, well, the first boulder. Yeah, so basically... Um, the way the game works is, or the way you encounter it, 
there's like a whole prologue where you're introduced to like kind of the mechanics, the game, the village, all that kind of stuff. Then afterwards, one of the first things that happens is you're going down this path. There's like a little cutscene where men are knocking over this enormous boulder and then it comes rolling at you like Indiana Jones. Yeah. So you have to jam on one of the buttons to run really fast. And then at a specific moment, a two button combination will appear on the screen and you have to hit it in enough time to dodge out of the way or you just like die. The first time I played Resident Evil 4, this blew my mind because I was told it was totally unexpected. Yeah. I had no idea what to expect. So, you know, like, and fine. So it shows up, the bulls, the boulders rolling towards you, you are jamming the button and then you have to do a button combination. What is this? I died multiple times at this. At the time, it felt insurmountable. Yeah. Even though it's really like not that hard. It's not that hard. It just uh, totally like threw me for a loop. I loved it. Um, I, I do think that the, uh, the fact that it is surprising and it's like a, a little isolated incident. And when you fail it, it like spawns you right back. Yeah. Uh, so you can try it again uh, really quick. Um, that I think that that and the quick time events like that are very effective in that game. Where I sour on the quick time events are uh, like at the end as you're knife fighting Wesker. Right? Is it Wesker? Is it someone else? Uh, it might be someone else. I can't it's remember. It's been so long. Yeah. Um, but like that, that whole fight plays out as like part cinematic, part like uh, quick time event. That's that's where I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to have to like listen to him, you know, tell me that I'm a fool <laughs> for the fourth time or whatever. Yeah, it's definitely diminishing returns. I mean, even later in the game, like uh, you're fighting uh, like the mayor, like the big like Rasputin looking guy. I can't yeah. remember what his name is. And um, at the beginning of that encounter, it's like a cutscene that rolls right into a quick time event. And it's just like a one, you know, you just have to be always paying attention, basically, what it comes down to. Yeah. Is because, you know, it's just a single button combination. But if you miss it, you die, and you have to, like, restart that part of it again. Uh, very good. My third moment is from the original Resident Evil, Resident Evil 1. Barry dies in the laboratory. Now, Mark, you might be saying to me, huh? Barry's in other games after Resident Evil 1. Here's the crazy thing about Resident Evil 1. There are two different times that Barry can die through the course of that game. And it's all based on like how much time you take in, uh, in different parts of the game. This is, so this is almost one that becomes a little bit more abstract. Um, because Resident Evil 1 kept all of its secrets so well, and didn't really tell you, like, oh, if you don't hurry up and get out of here, Barry's gonna die later. Like, it would just, it was just keeping track of all these little stats quietly off screen that you didn't know what was going on. So you can get to a point, there are two different points in the game where you can just walk into a room and Barry is there dying. And then he dies. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> this character who, you know, saves you from this room where the ceiling is uh, caving in. This guy who throws a rope down so you can, like, climb out of a, a, a pit um, just dies. So what is happening? Like, why does he die? He's just attacked by zombies. Like, that's an- another thing that, like, the game doesn't romanticize it at all. It's just like, yeah, he, he was bested. You didn't stick with him, and now he's dead. Um, which grants, like, real weight to your playthrough of Resident Evil 1 in a way that you don't, like... I played that game through maybe three times as Jill before I encountered a, a version where Barry died. Um, and it blew my mind that like there are little narrative things at work 
that I had no idea. It's not a big binary choice. It's not like a, will you save Barry or will you save the girl or whatever. Um, it's, uh, it's the game. It's an interactive storytelling in a way that is like so subtle and like off the map that like, you know, which is a crazy thing to say about Resident Evil, which is the campiest, cheesiest, most oblique thing, you know, like, uh, but they, they keep this one secret, uh, you know, very well. Um, and so to just have a, a playthrough, the game I've played many times, uh, and I'm like going to, uh, you know, challenge Wesker for the last time. And instead of uh, Barry being like, all right, Jill, go get him. He's l- lying on the floor and like bleeding out. Uh, was just in- incredible. That's cool, especially when it's like your third time through. Yeah, where you're like, I know this game. I know what's going to happen next. I don't know what's going to happen next. That is, that's really cool. Um, my second pick comes from, or my number two pick comes from Resident Evil Remake. Okay. And it's, uh, okay, do you remember in the game, I think it's the first time that you encounter like the Crimson Head, like the new type of zombie. Yeah. Where there's a coffin that is like tied up with chains. Or whatever, and it like when you get close to it, it like sh- you know something's in there, like yeah. it, like shakes. Yeah. And as through the course of the game, you are like gathering these masks, these like death masks. And when you get, I think it's three of them, then the uh, it's like the solution to the puzzle. You put them there. The coffin drops. Yes. And what comes out of this coffin? But this crimson head zombie with like really long fingernails. It's the first time you encounter an enemy of this type and it's so scary especially because if you're going into resident evil remake not knowing yeah that something like that is coming um is that before or after um the the little girl that has her like family sewn her family skin sewn into her body i think it's after maybe oh because she is terrifying um that's a good moment though uh and especially like putting the 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 death masks so you're already engaging in like a scarier version of because you know normally uh resident evil is like yeah but the three crests the wind crest Mm -hmm. and the sun crest um but then this is like these are the death masks uh and then uh, a crimson head pops up It's it's just such like a cool reveal yeah 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 that's a good moment uh ready for my number two Mm -hmm. number two moment comes from resident evil 4 it is the farmhouse under siege. Uh, you are in a two-story house. You and the president's daughter, whose Ashley. name is Ashley. Um, and uh, to this point, you've basically been playing Resident Evil the way you've been playing Resident Evil, which is to say, uh, you're you're not engaging in every. Uh, they're not zombies, but they're, they're basically zombies. We call them zombies. Um, you are only fighting the ones that you like. No, you need to fight. Uh, ammo is limited. Uh, it's kind of hard to heal. Whatever. Whatever. Um, and then you're in a house that is just under siege by bad guys. They just keep coming. And you try to defend the first floor as best you can, pushing bookcases in front of uh, uh, windows and like locking doors and stuff. Also, well, like shooting out windows. And you do, you do the best you can, um, but uh, you get overrun and you run upstairs. And then they are like pushing ladders. Uh, it's uh, like up so that they can climb into that window. And they're still coming from downstairs. And it, the game becomes something that Resident Evil had not been to that point, which is like a just try to survive this as long as you can. And like she keeps, uh, you know, healing you or like tossing ammo. So it's not actually her. Like you oh, tell her to run her. upstairs and yeah. she hides. And that's when uh, uh, 
Louis Louis. Oh yes, like the, yes, that's right. The um resident, like that you don't really understand what he's doing at this point. Yes, that's right. But he is there, and he's the one that's like um throwing you ammo. Yes, like, thank you. Sorry, I remembered that wrong. Like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's such a cool uh it. It's such a cool, like, little set piece. And to this day, I don't really know what triggers the end of it. I think it's just... Uh, so I just played this part in oh, Resident yeah. Evil 4. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's just, like, after you've killed a certain amount of zombies. Oh, man. Because they, they just continue to come in waves. And you can't escape the house. No. Like, you just have to do it. Um, and it's one of those points where, like, the survival part of Resident Evil as a survival horror game really comes into play. Because, yes, like, Luis will um, uh, give you ammo like he'll occasionally like throw out ammo but if you don't have like the right weapon or like you want the shotgun and you want a lot of shotgun ammo yes because otherwise like taking headshots at these enemies there's too many of them yeah and they also are the ones that in resident evil 4 where at this part of the game you've just started encountering when you do a headshot, the Las and Plagas. Like, yeah, yeah, the Las Plagas stuff starts coming out, which means they have range and are more dangerous. They're basically like if you when you, when you do a headshot on some of the zombies, there's like a parasite in that's living inside them that like comes out. Yeah, in the so, form of like a big sharp tentacle. Right, exactly. That can like do a ton of damage if it hits you. And so you you're in this confined space. They're running up the stairs. You're d- doing headshots to take them out quickly, and that's just causing you more problems. They just get up with like the big tentacle head thing it's so cool it's It's, really awesome it's an impossibly cool moment and just like gives you the sense of like resident evil so good at uh being like okay you're in a zombie city and like how do you sneak by how do you hide um but like there's this part of it too where it's just like the zombies are coming and you just gotta fight them um and uh, just it's such a cool moment such a cool set piece in in that game well kind of elaborating on that my Number one pick, my favorite moment in all of Resident Evil comes from Resident Evil 4, and it's the prologue um, up to mm. the point where you see, like, you basically get, like, the Resident Evil 4 title screen. Yeah. And so that encompasses, um, you're, in a, you're in a car, you're, yep. like, getting, like, the lowdown, like, what you're doing. Save you're the president's saving daughter. Saving this president's daughter. You get out, you go into, like, a cabin, there's one guy, and you realize that, like, these are not zombies like we've known them from previous Resident Evil games. They're smarter. They're faster. Like, there are points in the game where, because um, they're, like, infected humans. And, yeah. But they're still human. So they act like humans. Like, they don't just shuffle towards you. They will, like, run up really fast. Uh, a little bit later in the game, when you start, like, aiming with your cursor, if you take too long to fire, they'll, they'll dodge like, dodge the and, like, yeah. get out of the way. Um, so I feel like that lead up is really cool, but then you go into the main village for the first time Yeah, and you see all these people, they're just out there like working, doing farm work. And when you get spotted, they swarm. And that's when you encounter like the chainsaw guy for the first time. Yeah. And you realize that like combat in Resident Evil 4 is so much more important than in like some of the earlier Resident Evil games, because it is inescapable until you like take out a certain number of zombies yeah it's just like such like a cool intro to that game kind of like a mission statement for this is not resident evil as you know it and then the title hits and you're off and it's it's such an amazing start to such an amazing game um yeah that's so good and uh the like it does set the mission statement that i i feel like is demonstrated by the the house siege scene that i was describing before um so like it's 
I, I love that we picked uh, <clears throat> a moment that it promises and then a moment that it delivers. It's, it's, it's so cool. My number one, I'm going back to Resident Evil Code Veronica. Okay, so just to set the stage as, as you're uh, very un, un, unfamiliar with the game, um, eventually Chris also makes his way to uh, Antarctica where Claire is. And they, uh, so it, it is strictly a lab situation. Uh, in Antarctica, um, you know, uh, the part of the game, you and I have talked about this before that, like, when you get to the lab, you're a little bit like, okay, it loses some of its, you know, the resident evil part of it is sort of gone, right? Um, so they're like, uh, going down in Claire and Chris, I think there's a part here where you can like switch off between them. Um, and so like, you're, you're going down to the various levels of this laboratory, and you walk into like this, uh, you know, a, a long, like decontamination hallway. Uh, and so you're like so far underground and you encounter the uh, the edifice, the front of the Spencer mansion from Resident Evil 1. And there is a replica of the Spencer, Spencer mansion down in the basement of this laboratory. And I don't really know that it's ever explained why, but you walk in and it's the mansion from Resident Evil 1 buried you know, a hundred feet below the Antarctic surface. That's so cool. And it is like, it is so hard in there. And, uh, the, the, it's like the original game, but the puzzles are all like on steroids and the, the enemies are brutal. Um, and you just keep going down in it. Right. Um, and it, it's just so neat to, uh, effectively revisit, um, the same space from the first game, but totally recontextualized. And instead of it being like the first thing you encounter, it's the last. And instead of like uh, the mansion leading to the lab, it's the lab leading to the mansion. Um, and it really like having that sort of uh, thing down there is like such an eccentric and like weird thing that it perfectly plays to um, the uh, Ashford family weirdo that is down there um, uh, with his multiple personalities uh, trying to mess you up and, uh, I don't want to give away too much. Oh, about that sounds so the cool! But it's it's so amazing, um, and uh, is one of those super late game things that made me scream when I saw it. That I was just so happy, um, you know, like uh, like turning on the Game Boy uh, theme in Tetris ninety nine, where I'm just like, oh my god, it's this thing that I know and I love. Um, so that that that's my uh, number one Resident Evil moment, man. These are good games. It's such a yeah, seriously. It makes me want to replay like 3 and 1 and remake. Yeah. I wish that they uh would put out a package that is just um uh 1 2 3 uh Code Veronica um just like up res to to HD, but you know, not the remake of 1, not the remake of 2. Um just like the really you know, perhaps too old school old school games. And maybe I can do save states or rewind or something, but like these are some great games. Um, all right, Mark, let's uh, close out our discussion here. That's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Do you have moments from Resident Evil that you love that we missed? Uh, we didn't talk about zero, about five, about six, or about seven, or even really about the remake of two, or. Yeah, so there are a lot of games that we left out. Revelations, Outbreak. <laughs> there are a lot of these games we didn't talk about. So if you have one that you want us to know about, 
write to us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. Uh, and that's going to do it for this episode of the show. Remember, you can rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like this episode, please share us on Facebook or Twitter. If you recommend us to someone on Twitter, make sure to tag us and you can win some Pokemon cards. Uh, Olivia Duncan. Oh, on, on Twitter. Sorry, I skipped ahead. On Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nin Cart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apeit Betty. You can get you can get more of his music by going to apeitbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening.